Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, March 27th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the Biden administration approves an emergency disaster declaration following Friday night's devastating tornadoes. And the people of Rolling Fork begin the process of recovery. Plus, with the ballot initiative still on the shelf, one doctor shares frustrations over not being able to use the citizen referendum to adopt Medicaid expansion. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi edition. At least 25 people were killed and dozens injured in Mississippi as a massive storm ripped through more than half a dozen towns late Friday. The first reports of what would be catastrophic damage came a little after 8 o'clock that evening in the south delta town of Rolling Fork. It was there yesterday. Governor Tate Reeves was joined by a coalition of federal officials and congregational or rather congressional delegates. What we've seen over the last 36 hours in Mississippi, on the one hand, has been heartbreaking to see the loss and devastation of these communities, but on the other hand, has been inspiring and gives me great reason for optimism and, quite frankly, makes me damn proud to be a Mississippian because Mississippians have done what Mississippians do. In times of tragedy, in times of crisis, they stand up and they show up. And they're here to help themselves, help their neighbors. And as we talk to individuals throughout uh, the devastation back here behind us, what you see is that we've got a lot of good people that live in this great state. And I'm proud of them, and I'm proud to represent them, and I'm proud to take this opportunity to get as many resources here as we possibly can. The tornado that slammed into Rolling Fork tore across Mississippi for about 59 miles over a period that lasted more than an hour. That's according to the National Weather Service. The tornado was an estimated three-quarters of a mile wide at some points. Rescue and recovery efforts across the state took place over the weekend, while emergency management officials assessed damages and losses. Secretary of Defense Alejandro Mayorkas, who was in Rolling Fork, says the state of Mississippi has the support of the federal government. Heartbreak and inspiration. Uh, We walked down uh, the street uh, of this uh, town, uh, seeing devastation on both sides uh, of the road. And Congressman 
Thompson and I um, were able to speak with an individual who traveled from Houston, Texas, uh, just to help the people uh, of this town. Uh, and he said something I, I thought was very appropriate and very powerful that one can see photographs of the devastation, but there's no substitute for actually seeing it uh, in person. And that is indeed uh, what we've come to do. We've come to see it in person, to communicate uh, to the people of Mississippi uh, that we are here, uh, not just today, uh, but for the long haul. Uh, it is heartbreaking to hear of the loss of life, to see the devastation firsthand. It is also, as the governor expressed, inspiring to see the people of Mississippi come together, and not just the people of Mississippi, but the people of this country, uh, to come to assist those in such dire need. Within 24 hours, Governor Reeves requested a disaster declaration from the Biden administration. The call was echoed by Mississippi's congressional delegation, including Senator Roger Wicker. I want us to stand together because uh, I, I want you to know that this delegation is shoulder to shoulder for Mississippi in this regard. Uh, we got a letter together of both of our senators, all four members of the House of Representatives yesterday afternoon, got it up to the President of the United States. I want to thank the President for calling each of us individually. I want to thank him for sending a member of his cabinet here. Uh, we don't always get cabinet members, but we thank you, Mr. Secretary and Madam Administrator. And uh, we are also in it with you for the long haul. Joe Biden approved the emergency declaration yesterday, making federal funding available to hardest-hit areas. Deanne Criswell is the administrator of the Federal Emergency Management Agency. That includes um, public assistance, which means to help with the debris removal from communities like this, um, to help pay some of the overtime costs for Carroll, Humphreys, Monroe, and Sharkey's County. It also means that individual assistance is approved, as the, as the governor mentioned, for these same counties, for Carroll, Humphreys, Monroe, and Sharkey counties. What this major disaster declaration does is it ensures that we can bring in the right resources now to help start the recovery process and support any of the ongoing response actions that may be needed um, in these communities. Uh, when I spoke to the president and gave him an update yesterday on what I was hearing on the ground, he's very clear to me all the time. Make sure that the entire federal family does whatever they can to support these communities. And that's what we're here to do. So I want to tell the individuals to start. If you are in one of those four counties, if you are in Carroll, Humphreys, Monroe, or Sharkey, you can contact your insurance company, first line of defense, but also begin the process with FEMA. And you can do that by going to disasterassistance.gov or you can call 1-800-621-3362 to apply for assistance. You can also use the FEMA app. We also have people on the ground that will be in FEMA shirts. They're called disaster survivor assistance teams. They'll have iPads with them. They can also assist in registering you for assistance. As recovery efforts in Rolling Fork and other impacted communities continues over the next days, weeks, and months. Secretary Mayorkas says federal presence and assistance will be available as long as necessary. The president has directed us to be here to assist the people of Mississippi, to be here on an enduring basis, 
not just through the response, but through the recovery as well. We are mindful of the fact that that will take time, but we are here for the time it will take. Coming up, the people of Rolling Fork begin the process of recovery. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. When I woke up this morning, I said, Lord, just help me make it through another day. That's all I got. I ain't got nothing else. Help me be able to help these families to make it through. That's all I got. And that's all I ask. That's Rolling Fork Mayor Eldridge Walker. Destructive storms and at least one tornado ripped a path 100 miles long across Mississippi late Friday night, leaving at least 25 people dead and even more devastated communities, including Walker's South Delta town. Yesterday, he relived those terrifying moments with reporters. The moment I realized that it was going to be a severe storm is the moment that I heard my 911 radio go off and say, it's on the ground. And by the time that happened and my wife and I got in the tub, covered our heads, I heard something that sounded like a freight train. And that sound lasted about two or three seconds. And after that, I just, during that, I just heard splinters. And that was my roof coming off my house. Okay? And we got up. Uh, Didn't go outside at that time. But we waited for everything to silence, got quiet, and then we took a look out. And this is what we found. Devastation all over the community. Friends, family, folks I grew up with, families that I knew very, very well, who had lost everything that they got. What have the residents of your community had to say to you so far? They're saying to me, Mayor Walker... We know you're going to take care of us, stay strong. And I'm saying to them, you stay strong. I know that you're going to be all right. You know, we have challenges, we have obstacles in our way, but we're overcomers. And I believe that today, that we're overcomers. And this community is resilient, and we're going to come back bigger and stronger than ever before. What's ahead of you? Ahead? In what manner? You know, what's the first thing you need to take care of as you look around what's going on around you? <sighs> You know, there's so much that has to take place. But what's more important is that my families are okay and that we have something to tell them that make that gives them hope that their tomorrow is going to be better than it was today. So what do you tell them? I tell them, let's stay the course. Everything's going to be all right. We're going to get some assistance from the federal government. We're going to make things better. 
Based on early data, the tornado received a preliminary EF4 rating from the National Weather Service office in Jackson when they tweeted that out. Now, an EF4 tornado has top wind gusts between 166 miles per hour and 200 miles per hour. The force was enough to send trucks into the air and reduce homes to rubble. Included in that destruction was a nearly century-old church in Rolling Fork. From the Gulf States newsroom's Maya Miller, she reports on a priest and his parishioners who say they haven't given up yet. Throughout the lower Mississippi Delta, there are miles of seamless farmland punctuated with bright red tractors and rusting silos. Farm animals huddle closely under the shade of pines. But then, entering Rolling Fork, the tree line breaks. In fact, most of the trees here lean northward after a tornado battered the area, ripping homes apart and sending pickup trucks hurtling through the air. There are bricks from people's homes scattered across the town. As you've seen in Rolling Fork, there's hardly a tree left standing. Father Greg Proctor is an Episcopal priest who serves as the leader for the Chapel of the Cross Church in Rolling Fork. Chapel of the Cross was one year shy of celebrating 100 years in this red brick building. But now, more than half of the church has been destroyed. There was a bell tower that went three stories up in the air with big cast iron or brass bell. It's in the wreckage. We hope to be able to save it. Just two days after the tornado touched down, nearly a dozen men sort through the wreckage, salvaging silver and panels of stained glass. Some are members of his congregation, but others are from out of town, even as far as Arkansas. They just showed up with plywood and, and some hands. Proctor leads a small congregation, and he says many have shown up without him asking for help. They have questions, but they also want to be useful, for which he's grateful. The commandment to love God and love your neighbor have been shown this, uh, these last two days as, as people have come together to help. Mm-hmm. One person who's here to help is William Moore, a lifelong member of Chapel of the Cross. He's attended for more than 60 years, even though he lives in Cary, Mississippi, a few miles south. I'm devastated. Uh, it's a small congregation. And I've been the treasurer for 40 years, <laughs> so it's, it's, my, it's my life. As he looks at the damage, he takes a deep breath and like struggles to keep can. talking. It was probably the prettiest church in the county, um, and it's gone. So, it's, yeah, it's sad. But... Moore's instinct is to be here to help, and he's not the only one. There are utility trucks, construction equipment, and emergency vehicles all over town trying to piece Rolling Fork back together. And Moore says he's here for the long haul, too. You've been here helping out and navigating all of this. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, as long as it takes. This is my church. For now... Father Proctor says they're coming up with a plan to get Sunday services going again. We'll be all right. We'll, we may not be in this building anymore. It's hard to say for sure. But uh, we will have a worship space and we will gather to praise God's grace. He hopes that next Sunday will be the day. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Maya Miller. 
The Gulf States Newsroom is a collaboration between Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public media stations in Louisiana and Alabama. Yesterday, search crews made up of residents and volunteers resumed the daunting task of digging through the debris of battered homes. Many are looking for the pieces of their lives hidden among the rubble that they need to begin the process of recovery. Lacey Alexander has more. It's over 80 degrees in Rolling Fork, Mississippi, and all that remains of Patricia Kenny's house is a few walls that were once the center of her home. The bathroom and the closet that she and her family took cover in when the tornado hit on Friday night is still standing. A group of volunteers work in the heat and around the rubble to try and find some of Kenny's most important belongings, which include a very important makeup case. We're all obsessed with finding the makeup bag that has the birth certificates in it. Kramer Corey is one of the many volunteers that came to help Rolling Fork families look through the remains of their homes. An EF4 tornado swept through four counties in Mississippi Friday night, killing 25. Brenda Morris, Kenny's sister, was in the house when the tornado hit. She says her family is lucky to be alive, but like many, their belongings are destroyed. We lost everything. We lost everything. We we lost, we were trying to find purses with our, our IDs in it. We lost clothes. We lost important papers. It's just everything is gone. We just don't, we just out here trying to find everything where we can, you know, to save something. Morris says volunteers like Cray McCory have been helping her family for two days. Corey was living on the coast during Hurricane Katrina and says these moments bring out the best in humanity. People are good when it comes right down to it. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat or whatever or how divided you are on a normal day. When something like this happens, people are good. The image in Rolling Fork is one of destruction. But when Corey's nephew pulls a white case out of the rubble, all Kenny can do is cheer. Lacey Alexander, MPB News. Glad they found them. Coming up with the ballot initiative still on the shelf, one doctor shares frustrations over not being able to use the citizen referendum to adopt Medicaid expansion. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippi lawmakers will not be reinstating or updating the ballot initiative process this legislative session. It has been nearly two years since the Mississippi Supreme Court ruled the process unconstitutional, and this is the second session lawmakers have chosen not to amend it. Dr. John Godet of Hattiesburg is familiar with the initiative process. He filed to get an initiative on the ballot in 2021 prior to the court ruling. He tells our Kobe Vance Mississippians deserve the power to directly affect policy. I think that the initiative process is an important way for citizens to make their voices be heard, that the initiative process 
even though uh, uh, it has ceased to exist, even still, uh, prior to the end of the initiative process, it was a way for citizens to let their wishes be known, for legislators to be able to understand where Mississippians stand on, on an issue. Because it is, this is a very rural state, and it's hard, I think, for um, just through the ballot box alone uh, for Mississippians to let their wishes be known uh, by, uh, by re-electing or not electing someone. But the initiative process is a way to... Um, to, to have your voice be heard. It's a direct form of democracy. And I think it is uh, very democratic to have the initiative process. I was disappointed. I was hoping that it would carry and continue. For those who might not know, you filed a ballot initiative a few years ago. That initiative also played into the larger conversation of Medicaid expansion. And then eventually this year we did see postpartum expanded. With all that considered and how... You saw so many doctors around the state rallying behind an initiative process, and now that eventually led to support in the Senate and in the House to be able to get that passed. How do you think that speaks to the power of the initiative process, even though it still isn't active? That the, the Medicaid expansion, the, the Proposition 76, uh, health care for Mississippi, was filed. And then when the lawsuit on the prior initiative, which was regarding uh, medical marijuana, came through, uh, all initiatives died. But what we found was that Medicaid expansion is popular in Mississippi. And it's not just popular amongst Democrats uh, or unpopular amongst Republicans. There was broad support. And the initiative process was going to be a way to communicate that broad support to the elected officials so they could uh, look at it not from their own ideological standpoint, but look at it through the eyes of their constituents. And there was broad support. And I would like to see the initiative process brought back because Medicaid expansion is still the right thing to do for Mississippi. And it has very, prop, uh, very popular support and bipartisan support. And I would like to see the initiative process come back. Not just for that, for Medicaid expansion, but for any issue that Mississippians want to take up that they feel like their legislators uh, may not be prioritizing. It seems like one of the major debates between the Senate and the House this year was the number of signatures that would have been required. Both chambers did agree they didn't want a constitutional amendment any longer. They wanted statutory changes uh, coming from these, from these uh, resolutions. But what are your thoughts on the debate that went on between the two chambers, whereas the House wanted to keep the signature requirements similar to what they were, uh, whereas the Senate wanted to increase those almost twofold? I think you want to have your signature requirements high enough so you don't have um, uh, very trivial ballot initiatives uh, clogging up the ballot box. But on the other hand, you don't want to have the signature requirements so high that it makes it impossible for a ballot initiative to, to move forward because it still has to go once the ballot initiative gets on the ballot, it still has to be voted up or down. So I think there should be a way to negotiate how many signatures. I think the numbers that the House was requiring, uh, which was more similar to the older numbers, was reasonable because you want to be able to have a, a initiative group to do the work to get something on the ballot and make sure that it's popular and it's not just trifling. But you don't want to make the bar so high that it's impossible to get on the ballot. Because once you get on the ballot, it still has to go for an up or down vote. And so um, I, I think there was could have been a way to negotiate that. And advocates, hopefully, and, and our elected officials will continue to negotiate this out. And we can be able to get something next year.
And then looking forward, what do you think it's going to take to get Mississippi lawmakers on the same track to getting something passed eventually? We've seen this now two years in a row. The fact that it's not a constitutional amendment, I think, bodes well for the initiative bill, uh, the Senate continuing resolution, because, yeah, you don't, that every time, you, if you enshrine something in the Constitution, it's very hard to change it. But this was to basically have an initiative process through legislation, which is, can be modified and changes can occur. So I think that is something that speaks in favor of this moving forward, and I would like to see our, the House and the Senate get together and negotiate those, those threshold numbers for signatures because it seems like they should be able to work that out. Dr. John Godet is a professor at William Carey University in Hattiesburg. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.